You're listening to a podcast presented by Providencia West Palm Beach, a church that exists for the flourishing of all people located in the city center of West Palm Beach, Florida. Our hope is to love our city, listen to your story, and practice the grace of God. We hope you enjoy this content. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Enjoy the episode. Our scripture tonight comes from Proverbs 3, 1 through 10. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Thank you, Allison. And you all don't have to listen to just me this evening, which is lucky for you. And we are going full CNN townhouse this evening. And I'd like to invite Kent and Leah Gooley to come on up front. They are going to join us. Give it up. And then... Thank you, thank you, thank you. So we are wrapping up this evening our series on rest. And um, I hope that all of you have at least had some opportunity to engage with the season, the series, and engage with the Rich Fiodas book, um, The Deeply Formed Life. So we're going to be framing some of the questions around that this evening. And before we start, I want to introduce, we have the esteemed Kent Barami with us on my right-hand side. Um, fun fact about Kent, he is the youngest elder at a church in our denomination anywhere in the country. I, so, don't, I don't think that's, is that, it is how do you know that? Fact. Okay. I fact-checked it. So uh, the I'm not going to argue with you on stage. The elder anywhere. He has worked uh, on, he, uh, he and his wife, they have a marketing company. They have worked on presidential campaigns, um, and they've recently done some work with the UN. So they are the real deal, and we get to have him. He is ours. And on my left, Leah Gooley. What can we say about Leah Gooley? <laughs> Leah is a restorer of hearts in her role as a therapist. She is a mom, she is a business owner, and we are so glad that she is up here with us. So we're going to kick this off with the first question, and this is going to be to Kent um, and to Leah. I think that we believe, when we think about rest, um, to me at least, it's more about sort of the crash from our tank being empty than it is about any sort of practice that's rejuvenating or life-giving. And so the sort of picture I have in my mind is, and when you come home from work, and it's a busy day or it's a busy week, 
and you kick your shoes off, you unbutton your top button, put on your comfy clothes and just sink into the couch and go, ah. I think that's what most of us think of when we think of rest. But I fear that is more of just crashing than it is anything restorative or, or that gives us rejuvenation. So my first question for you both is, this summer we have been talking about rest. What does rest look like for you both? And whoever wants to go first, um, just go ahead. Sure. Um, I think, is it on? It is now. There okay. we go. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned crashing because that's something that I've had to be very aware of with when I was looking through this question of how rest, um, how I rest. And I think that for me, I escape, like escapism and rest. There's a very fine line between what is um, actually restful and restorative versus numbing. Um, and I am a person that gets, like, feels very deeply and gets very overwhelmed very easily. And so my go-to is typically escapism, I think. Um, I have to be very intentional about resting. And so that, I mean, looks like my favorite place is in my bed, in my pajamas, watching trashy TV with ice cream. Like, that is <laughs> my jam. <laughs> that is where I'm happiest, but I also am not... <laughs> I am not restored in that place. Um, I don't feel built up. I don't feel connected to myself. I don't feel connected to other people. Um, I feel connected to the characters, but I do not feel connected to God. And so I think to um, recognize those things of, of what does it look like to be quiet and be still, um, to connect with nature and to connect with other people. Um, and I think I do that through... Uh, like swimming in the ocean or through connecting with friends. I think I do that in a lot of different ways, but I have to be really mindful of when I am escaping and numbing and then when I'm actually feeling in a place that I feel like I can handle it um, and like connecting with my breath. Great. Yeah, I think, Leah, you bring up a good point because the process for me has really started with self-awareness of... Uh, knowing what my energy levels are and how I'm using my energy levels. Uh, I only recently, like this year, have, have identified like, oh, my 5 a.m., 6 a.m., 7 a.m. hours are different different energy level hours than my 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. 5 a.m. sleeping for the rest of us. <laughs> and the thing is, it's like, it's, it's like I can't do the things that I think I can do uh, at four o'clock, five o'clock, but I can do them at seven, eight, nine. And so one of the things I, I've been very careful about this year is just being very judicious about having that time set apart and then knowing exactly what I'm doing inside of that time. Um, and really what that looks like is uh, just, just things that I know that are restorative for me. Uh, really not like the numbing stuff because I've experienced that too. Uh, but knowing like, oh, this process, so like this summer I've, I've been really into writing and creating. Um, and in that space, I'll give myself one hour every morning, my, my brightest energy to just love the process of writing. Not thinking, of, not thinking about an outcome, not being like, oh, I hope this turns into a book or this is a blog or this is... Because once I invite that sort of energy into it, then it's like, oh, I, it needs to look like this thing, and it's not restful anymore. It's not restorative. And so I give myself an hour every single morning that is just like playing around with words and with paper 
and with creating, and I find a lot of restoration in that, but I, I do have to be very judicious about it. Um, I have to protect it. I, I do have to be disciplined with that space uh, because I will be tempted to just start numbing, uh, doing other things, and then invite that sort of spirit of, of stress and tiredness back into my life versus saying, oh, this is what I want to do. This is the process, the process that restores me. How do I protect that? Great, thank you. Um, I recently got connected to someone on Instagram who I would encourage you all to follow. Their account is called The Nap Bishop. The Nap Bishop. And she talks about um, rest being resistance. Um, rest is resistance. And so we, um, there's several levels to this, I think, for us culturally, that there's the sort of Protestant work ethic, and then there's living in a country that is, has a capitalistic um, drive to it. That, that we have, so on so many levels, we have believed that as human beings and as people, our worth comes from what we produce, and there's a direct correlation between what we put out and our value. And that's not just in monetary form in dollars, but in relational value and how we view, your, view ourselves, how much worth we view that we have. Um, and in the church, it's the same thing. It's that um, just because it's done in the name of God, even if our tank is empty, we still feel like we have to show up. We have to go to the group. We have to go to the Bible study. We have to pray. And those religious rhythms can feel empty. And they, in fact, can take more from us than they, they give to us. And we can be left being tired and go to some of these practices and leave feeling like we have even less in the tank. And ultimately, I think it boils down to that we've bought into the lie that rest is a reward, that you have to earn rest that it's a reward for working hard. But as we've been talking about through this series, it's that rest is a good thing. And for us to flourish as human beings, like the picture in Eden, that that starts with rest. And God rested at the end of creation, not because God was tired, but because it was a good thing. And that's a platform for, or that's a sort of paradigm for human flourishing, is that we do things from a place of restedness. And that enables us to be better connected to one another, better connected to God, and better connected to creation. And you've both talked a little bit about how when you're rested, you're more creative. When you're rested, you're more curious and more able to be there with other people. So thinking about this idea um, that rest is a reward, um, my next question would be, um, have you believed at some stage in your life that rest is a reward? And how share a little about what it was like believing it was a reward, and share a little bit how you've began to unpack that and see rest as more of a process of being gentle on yourself, being kind on yourself, and trying to weave practices of restoration and rejuvenation into your daily lives and work and family and, and play. Yeah, I think for sure I have seen rest as a reward, I, I would also take it a step further where I have seen rest for me personally for, I would say, 26 years. Rest is something that was for people who were lazy, mm. who were incompetent, who wouldn't put in the work. Um, and I, I have an art background. I went to art school and did a bunch of art classes and art can just be very competitive in college. It's just a very competitive space. 
And I was putting in hours and hours and hours every single day to be the best artist I could be, the best draftsman, the best uh, colorist, painting. And I had this professor, he's just my, my favorite professor for all the wrong reasons. Um, he, had, he had a sign on the front of his office door that had two quotes on it. The first quote was, and this is what it said, C average student, and the quote was, I believe I did my best on this project and I deserve an A. That was the first quote. The second quote right below it was from Leonardo da Vinci. And it said, I have offended God and mankind because the quality of my work did not reach the level it, level it was supposed to do. And I loved that quote. I mean, to me, I was like, yeah. Like, like this, this is going to feed me through college. And I am, and there, there was one thing I knew that I was going to do. I was going to outwork you. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who you were, where you came from, how much money you had what you knew, what, where you were at, I was gonna outwork you. And there was gonna be a point where I was gonna eclipse. Like my work, my work ethic, who I was, was going to eclipse you at some point, and that was a guarantee. It not, might not be tomorrow, it might not be next week, but it might be in 10 years, but I'm gonna be committed to it. And so I, I, I had that mindset uh, for such a long time. Um, I, Megan knows this back in like 2017 after college when we started working, you know, full-time jobs. I built in nights in my week where I just wouldn't sleep. And it's like I would get a cup of coffee and I would map out what skill set I was going to learn this week. Like I was going <laughs> to not sleep Tuesday, Wednesday. I was going to pick up a new skill set like online and I was going to sort of like acquire a new skill set. And I did that for years. I mean, I did that like it was just a part of my life. Like, like if I am sleeping, there's somebody else out there outworking me right now. And so there was sort of a, there was, a, there was a, such an unsustainable solace and joy that came from it being 4 a.m., 5 a.m. I was completely dead tired, but I felt like I outworked like half of the United States. And there was a part of me that was like, oh yeah, this is, this is so great and this feels so awesome. Um, but it, it really, uh, it, it was, a, it was a, a, a sign and a symptom of how much sort of hate that I had about my current situation, about the things that I lacked. Uh, and in turn, how much I hated myself. Um, it was like, I can give up sleep to change who I am, to make myself the person that I think I need to be. I can give up my community for me to be the person that I feel like I need to be or better than the people that are around me. Uh, and so it wasn't, it wasn't sustainable in, <laughs> in any way. And it was a belief and a statement that would never be completely fed. There's no, there's no amount of, of sleepless nights that um, would answer that, uh, would ever bring me to the goals that I thought that I was going to be able to reach. It just would never be enough. Um, so within the last five years, I truly am unlearning this mindset. Um, and within that, I have to give myself a lot of grace 
to say, okay, Kent, you do love achieving things and you love learning new things and, and, and all of these things, which is fine, uh, but I can't associate those things to who I am as a person. Like, it's not my value. That's not the value that, that, that is, is true to me. Um, I can quickly make those things my value, and that's the lie that, that I've believed for 26 years. But that's been a lie that I've I daily, daily, like seriously daily, that I've had to unlearn, break down, change the narrative, and be very, very careful about how I spend my time and why I do things. So the safest, the safest thing for me is just to say no to things and then understand, okay, what are the things that I, I want to do? That, that if Kent wasn't so concerned about what Joe Schmo is doing across the United States who could possibly be outworking him, what would Kent do not in, in, in connection to that person? Just Kent, as a human being, what does he want to do? What does he enjoy? What process does, is, is, has he fallen in love with? And if he doesn't know that, what am I doing to know me better? To, to have that intimacy with my own soul, to, to really know what are the things that I come alive with. Um, so I think that's been the process, uh, and it's just been a slow process, and it's been a very um, sort of, uh, like a fish doesn't know it's in water sort of deal. Like sometimes I just like look up from a task or something that I'm doing, and I'm like, oh, I'm actually doing this just because I feel like I have to be good at this. And it's not that I like it. It's not that it's you know connected to anything that I believe in. It's just like oh, I think I'm good at this, and I can I can make this happen. You know, um, so that process has been a a long journey, and it could take another like 15 years for me to have a better understanding. Um, and I think I'm just sort of focused on the grace that I can give myself uh, in this in this relearning space. Great. Thank you. I, th I think lazy is, is a key thing. I think a lot of people feel that rest is lazy, that we save rest for holiday weekends. We save rest for vacations. That's something that Europeans do with their four-day work weeks. And even retirement. It's like re when I retire um, is when I'm going to rest. I heard a story recently um, about a pastor who retired in his church, had three or four hundred members, and he had been there for a long time. And the first Monday... Um, of his retirement was the first time in 20 years that his phone never rang once. Um, and he called the church office to say, hey, can you call, can you call my phone just to, to make sure it's still working? And then ring, 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 it rang. And he was crushed. He was devastated that he had worked his whole life. And in retirement, the phone stopped ringing. And immediately his questions were, where am I going to find my worst night? And in his anticipation of resting, he wasn't able to enjoy it because he had no internal conversation about this is for me. And his work life had been for everybody else and none of it had been about himself. Leah, do you want to return to that question about um, your journey of uh, understanding rest as a reward and then your journey of sort of unpacking that a little bit? Yeah, um, I was fortunate to have a family that really prioritized rest, which I think is really unique that they really worked hard, but they they rested, they prioritized play and they prioritized um, taking time to look inward and to spend time with yourself and to spend time with the people that are important to you and to spend time with God. Um, I fall on the other end of that spectrum, that lazy 
place that you were talking about, Kent, of, of I feel like I rest well, but then there's this idea of, but I could be doing more, or I'm not doing enough, or I could be doing something more productive, but I feel like I can't handle it. I feel like, um, like I'm maxed out. And I'm a nine on the Enneagram for all you Enneagram people. So everything, like the entire way that I see the world is through maintaining peace, maintaining peace within myself and maintaining peace in my environment and with my relationships. And so there is this, um, I guess, negative belief that I really struggle with of, of I can't handle it. I, um, I should be doing more, but I just need to like, I just need to, to get offline for a while. Um, and again, that kind of goes back to that like numbing escapism versus rest place. Um, but I'm really thankful that my parents, um, they really prioritized and um, tried to integrate that message of like, you can't pour from an empty cup. You're only useful to other people if you really look at yourself and figure out how do you not just sit around and, and do your hobbies, which are important, but also like how do you um, like really connect with yourself? How do you really connect with God in a way that is meaningful, in a way that is life-giving, and to know yourself in a way that you can um, be relational with other people? Because it really, it's, it doesn't feel relational to be looking through the world as this, um, from this place of like, okay, what can I, how can I get more from it? Um, I think work is important and work is, um, like we get self-esteem from it. So I think that shows how much uh, like we are meant to work, to have a job, to do something meaningful, but then also to make sure that it's prioritized in its proper place. Um, and so I still feel like I'm figuring out that balance of, okay, how can I be, how can I press myself to actually be more productive, to um, focus more on work, but then also to rest in ways that are meaningful without taking the entire day. Um, and like believing that I can like find balance in that or yeah. And just to go a little further there, as a, you wear so many hats, you're a mom, you're a therapist, you're a business owner. Could you talk a little bit about what sort of rhythms have you built into your personal life, family life, professional life that are restorative for you? Yeah, I think that's been a really interesting challenge. My sons are two and a half and six months, and so it looks very different now as a mom. I, I'm still really figuring it out because before it was taking time. I loved morning times. Like I felt like that, um, like having coffee and and like reading was my like was a place that I really found a lot of joy and a lot of um, like inward momentum. And now to have kids that wake up way too early <laughs> and go and you know, take a million hours to fall asleep at night and I have like an hour to myself in a day unless my husband who is so encouraging to like, to remind me that I need to get out of the house, that I need to like spend away, time away from my children <laughs> and to like see friends and to be alone and to pursue hobbies or to learn new things um, that I am still a human and not just a mom or not just a therapist. Um, it's been really important for me and it's been really challenging to figure out how to do those things. Um, but I've really figured out of like, okay, I need, I need at least like one time a week to see friends um, or a friend. And I also need one time a week to like just be alone, whether that means catching up on things or learning something new or being in nature. Um, but to like carve that time out because I think I tried to just wing it and it very rarely happens if I'm just like waiting for the right moment to come along. And so to figure out how to be intentional with that time, um, it's really a challenge. Um, and so it's something that I hope that I will continue to get better at, but I also know that like the circumstances are never like 
fully laid out, per, um, you know, the way that you want them to. And so, like, okay, how do I figure out how to, like, make that space for myself and for my own children to see, like, that I am a person, that my world doesn't completely revolve around them, that, like, we look outward to other people, but that we are also worthy of looking inward and spending time just having fun and doing things for ourselves. Um, I think it, to be a person and not a mom is really valuable. And yeah, seeing how it goes. <laughs> Thanks. Um, Kent, um, you grew up in an immigrant family. Um, can you speak to the pressures that this created for you um, in terms of the experiences your parents went through to come here and their professional lives to achieve and become successful? And just, just talk a little bit about, regale us with some of your stories of um, growing up in that household and sort of what sort of work ethic was, was drilled into you and your understanding of what does it mean to have value, what does it mean to be successful, and what does it mean to fit into life in America? Yeah, my mom has this incredible story of coming to the States back in 1992. Uh, she was 23, pregnant with me. Uh, I think like four months or five months or something like that. Um, she is a, a small woman. She's like five feet, 100 pounds. And uh, she was the first person in her family of seven people, seven, seven siblings, to uh, get a college education and then make this thousand, few thousand dollar investment of sending her over to the United States from the Philippines and hoping that she has work and a place to live and uh, that sort of thing. Um, it's funny because we think about when we like go travel somewhere, we're just gonna like FaceTime our parents and be like, look, it's Eiffel Tower behind me. Haha, <laughs> isn't that great? For her, it was like she got to Chicago on a plane for the first time. She was told that there was gonna be work there. She was told that she was gonna have a room somewhere. Um, she was pregnant, uh, and she went to the payphone booth and uh, put some quarters in, called family back, and was like, I made it after 30 hours of flying in an airplane, and I think this is going to work out. Um, it's a very sort of scary space, but my mom is like such a tough person, such a hustler. Uh, like she, she will, she also, like, she's the only other person who would outwork me is my mom. <laughs> And so uh, she's, she's always, always had that mindset of that if you put your, all your effort to it, if you, if you work harder than everybody else, you can make it happen because she did it, you know. Um, she was able to do it. Uh, so there's been such a, such a sort of pressure I would say that was just naturally instilled in me and knowing her narrative and knowing that story and saying, oh, Kent, I can't just be hanging around bumming in America because my mom sacrificed everything for her to come here. Like, I can't, I can't spend one minute relaxing. I can't spend one minute thinking about a career that isn't going to benefit my family, that isn't going to be for future generations. And that's the thing with, with a lot of these uh, immigrant families, and, and my family specifically, they come to the United States so they can send money back. Like there is no passing down of generational wealth. And so part of, a part of my thought process is, oh, the success I have, I have has to go first 
upwards, back to my parents, um, before it can go to me or to anyone down my lineage or family. So I think there's been such a, a, a strong internal pressure that I've, I've placed on myself in knowing her story and knowing how, how hard she's worked and knowing um, that, you know, like, oh, am I wasting time here? Am I, am I doing something that, that my cousins, you know, would, would, would love the opportunity to have that I have the opportunity and I'm squelching it, I'm wasting it. Um, so there's so much of, of, of that has fed back into how I think about work uh, today, and that's another part of what I have to unlearn is, you know, even, even though I am here in the United States, even though my parents did work really hard on those things, I still have value as a human being because I'm a human uh, son of God, not, you know, you know, because my parents got me here and I have to now reciprocate that hustle, reciprocate that sweat equity. So um, it's hard because I feel like I, I need to pay that back, sort of show respect and, and honor in that way, but also it's like, it's, it's too close to my soul, too close to my identity um, in such an unhealthy way that I need to be able to sort of separate that. So it's, it's complicated. And that's a, that's a sensitive <laughs> and delicate thing to talk about, so thank you for yeah. talking about that in such a, a public setting. Yeah. And we both, or both of you have shared a little bit about when we can sort of step into those rhythms of restoration, that we feel more creative, we feel like we have more capacity to do things professionally and for fun, and when we feel more curious. And as the proverb that was read by Alison, it talks that this is literally good for our bodies. It's healing to our bodies. We sleep better, our blood pressure goes down, you're at lower chance of a heart attack or a stroke, that there's so many rewards to living a rested life. And when we lower stress, when we're more present, we can be better company, we're more curious, we're more creative. And could you both share, and maybe Leah, you can start, just share a little bit about in what ways do you see the benefits of this, when it works, um, the rested lifestyle, and then maybe share also um, what are still some of the things that you're, you're working on um, in, that, in that practice. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I, I think that a mindfulness practice has been really transformative to my life of being able to um, just sit with my breath and not have to like to just be present, to not judge myself when I have thoughts or feel overwhelmed, to be able to just be. Um, and that that is, it's really helped me feel like I have a lot more control over my experience, um, to not feel like I have to do anything. Like my heart is beating without me having to try. And to be able to acknowledge that and to be able to sit with that and to sit in a space where I can just be grateful and to sit in gratitude through like looking at different parts of my life. Um, it's really helped just simplify things, I think, a lot for me. So that even in those moments where I can't carve out, you know, hours or a day like I'd like to, to be able to do things that maybe would f like really feel fulfilling, to be able to like look at my children and to like actually be present with them for a minute and to um, play or to do things that just help me be in the moment without judging, without um, and just being curious. It's been really life-giving for me. Um, 
and I think with that, it also helps me be a lot more relational. Um, I am, I can easily be, um, I guess, I can just get really cranky. <laughs> I can have a short fuse. I can be, um, I don't know. Um, I don't know, but I, I just feel like I can be a lot more relational and I'm a lot more kind, I'm a lot more authentic if I'm just taking time and being in the moment. Um, I can't remember what you were yeah. um, No, that's good, that's a good summary. And I think, um, like you said, that we're so much more able um, just to be able to act in the world and not react to the world. That, that we're, we're less sort of pulled in by the arguments, we're less sort of drawn into the drama that when we're centered within ourselves, we, we, we can sort of have a bit more ability just to kind of pause um, and not immediately jump into things. And I think that comes from a place of centeredness within ourselves mm -hmm. um, and being able to, once we're there, it's not like we can just float around the world like some monk. It's that we are called to be people that bring healing to the nations, healing to the, our families and healing to our own stories. And we can only do that when we truly believe that we are loved and that we don't have to hustle to be loved, that we are loved just as we are. But it's so hard to not get caught and pulled in. Like he said to, like, there's this, that little hamster wheel in the back of our head that's always kind of, you got to do a little more, Jordan. Mm -hmm. Like, keep going, you know? So I think it's from that place of centeredness, we can um, act in the world as a healing, non-anxious present, not react all the things that are going on. Um, and Kent, that, that same question to you. Um, what, what benefits do you see and what are some of the things that you're still kind of ironing out? Yeah, since I've been able to give myself this sort of dedicated space to rest and to find restorative practices, um, what I've seen for myself, and I, I completely believe this for, for anyone, is that it gives the most respect to yourself, um, which brings a lot of clarity, uh, a lot of certainness about the sort of things you like and dislike, what you want to be involved in, what you don't want to be involved in, and this sort of true version of yourself in a space of rest doesn't just benefit you and your emotions and your connection to God, but that version also overflows into the people closest to you, uh, the people in your family, your friends, your community. Um, and I think there is definitely a ripple effect when you are, uh, when, you, when you fight for your own rest, when you fight for your own restoration, um, that version of yourself uh, gets to be excited about who you are which is such a crazy line to say because it's like, oh, we should be excited about who we are, but in all honesty, I think it's really hard to be excited about who you are sometimes. Uh, I think it's so easy to fall into, oh, I should be this, or I need to be doing this, or it would be better if my life looked like this. Um, but the ability to have rest and give you that space uh, lets you be excited about who you are, where you are right now. And there might be things that you're like, oh, I wish this <laughs> wasn't like this for me. Uh, but there are still things that you can champion for yourself, that, that you can love about yourself. Uh, and because you do that, everyone else that you're connected to 
also feels that, also sees that, also believes that, and, and, and gets connected to that energy as well. Uh, and your actions don't just, aren't just inward, like they, they, they become outward, outward actions, uh, especially with the people that you feel, feel close to. So I think that space of, of restoration isn't just for you, it's, it's, it's for everyone else in your family and in your community and you're doing everyone else a favor on top of what you are doing for yourself. Um, some of the things that I'm, I'm still trying to iron out is that life has so many circumstantial issues that still happen to us, right? Um, whether that's economically, whether that's grief, whether that's relationships, whether that's, you know, it's just a whole set of variable of things that set us back, that is really hard to work through, that feels like so much. And I've been in that space right now where there's sort of feels like there's like a lot of chaotic things happening around me. Um, and I've had to deliberately make the choice of saying, hey, this is a hard time. Like, let's not pretend it's not. Like, let's, let's label it as what it really is. It's, it's hard for the people in my community right now. It's hard for myself. It's hard to carry some of these things. And that's fine. Like, it's, not, it's not the end of the world that it's like that. Um, but it does mean that I have to adjust the way that I rest and the things that I'm doing right now. Maybe I just take a step back on a few things and, and protect my energy so I can address some of the things that are going around me. Um, so I think that's like something I'm, I'm trying to get better at, especially in this season, in this summer, where there's just so many things happening and just saying, it's okay, Kent. Like, you can't do all the things that you wanted to do specifically this summer or work on, but uh, like, let's just adjust. Like, let's just step back, adjust, and re-engage the way we rest, re-engage the way I'm, I'm connected to people. Um, let's not throw everything out the door just because it's chaotic. Like, it's, it's, it's fine. Like, there's going to be tomorrow, and we're going to do our best through this. Just do what we can. What we can so. Great. Well, um, thank you, Leah. Thank you, Kent. And um, this has been fun to facilitate. And um, maybe we can add another thing to your work, and we can start a podcast together because that's what we all need, another white Christian man hosting a podcast. Um, but no, I really do appreciate how candid you all were, and um, thank you for, for sharing. And I'm going to invite Drew up now, who's going to um, lead us in a time of communion. Thanks for joining us for this episode. The work we do is made possible by your partnership and generosity. If you enjoyed the content and would like to support our work, please visit ProvidenciaWPB.org and click on the Give link. The music you hear in the beginning and end of our show was written, produced, and recorded by our music collective, Paradise Hymns. Find their original songs wherever you stream music. Thanks again, and have a blessed day.